Well, folks, since the Pokemon servers are down, we have decided to record for you a Memory Lapse podcast. I'm Tim. I'm Gingy. And I'm Tyson. And I lost a fucking Rapidash. We all lost a fucking we, Rapidash. We all I lost a Rapidash. I, in fact, tweeted to uh, Niantic Labs about that, so I expect to see a Rapidash on my account by morning. So anyway. It's going to be a 1 CP Rapidash. I don't Just give a shit. You. It'll be in my Pokedex. I don't care. But you still need a pony gun. Huh? Still need a pony job. Who fucking cares? I'll be able to get that <laughs> later, probably, out of an egg or something. You can breed it with your ditto. Wait a minute, has anyone even seen a ditto yet? A ditto, well, as far as I can tell, ditto. is fucking non-existent, according to everything I've seen. I don't think anybody's caught a ditto yet. Unless he's disguised as one of the other Pokemon you caught. <laughs> You're ridiculous. Like, you Boom. fill up your Pokedex, and then one day it's just all ditto, and that's the only entry in your Pokedex. Just fucks you over. You're just like, Anywho, we should probably, you know, <laughs> talk about something that's not Pokemon-related. Like magic? Like yeah, the theme of this so. podcast? Oh, wait, well, this is a magic supposedly podcast? Supposedly theme yeah. of the podcast. Yeah. Ah, man. So, yeah, we are Memory Lapse, the Magic the Gathering podcast, so we should probably get around to that. Well, I guess if we're just going to talk about things that are pissing us off today, yeah. let's talk about some motherfucking buyouts. Oh, I don't know shit. how much you people know about, you know, eternal formats. It's technically, according to Wizards, lauded as legacy and vintage. Modern is not a eternal format, it's a non-rotating format. Which, oh, fucking stupid. Yeah. It's rotating. Or not as rotating, it's eternal to me. Um, I kind of see how it is, because it's kind of an extended format that goes off of current standard as well. Yeah. Current standard adds cards to modern, so it's not Sometimes. something that's... Yeah, but it's yeah. still an eternal format, because it has stuff that's not rotating. Yeah, but I think the idea behind eternal formats is decks are built, and they're pretty much... Well, I guess standard yeah. does affect <laughs> modern... legacy and vintage, too. <laughs> yeah, modern's... Like, monas uh, monastery modern's mentor, ladies and gentlemen. Eternal yeah. implies that it's from the beginning of Magic's history. Right. And modern's like eighth edition and up, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why modern's not an eternal format okay. due to technicalities, right? And plus, so, we can't have anything good in that format if it's blue. Well, you know what? You're not going to have much of here in the future for your eternal formats: hmm. lines, eye diamonds, and moats. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because these cards are on this wonderful little thing. Actually, I I'm fucking lying. This is a called the reserve list. It's not wonderful at all. That's what he was nope. implying about the lying part. Yeah, and the reserve list is a terrible monstrosity the Wizards of the Coast just needs to abolish. Because people like this Craig Berry's his name, right? I believe uh, Craig Berry's his name. I don't know who it is. Anyhow, he went and he bought every single copy of Moat that like Star City Games and TCG Player had, and then did the same thing with Lion's Eye Diamond. So now, since he has the majority of these cards, he basically gets to go, the price of these cards is whatever I say they are, because I have them, and you people don't. And you want them and need them to play this deck. Yeah. So, the reason he can do this is because Wizards of the Coast has the reserve list. The reserve list means they will never print another copy of this card ever again. So, when he takes the entire supply, he gets to create whatever value he wants for it because some degree of demand will be there, which means that you will pay what you have to if you need it. I love this guy. See, I find it... I find... There's... Former host McCool having to make comments. We have a live studio audience with us, by by the way. Uh, a whole two people wanted to sit into this. One who's a legitimate fan, Brady, you're getting a shout-out even though you're sitting right there. And McCool, the former host for the first two episodes, who just wants to sit here and be a prick. But <laughs> Tell us when the He's the kind of guy that thinks up. Martin Shkreli's cool. <laughs> right? Uh, actually, um, I did receive one complaint about the podcast AIDS. recently where I, I was swearing too much, so I'm going to try to tone that down. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm going to try oh, not to drop um, the swears too much. 
Also, while we're on the uh, topic of complaints and things probably people probably didn't realize, permeating mass doesn't make Gideon a permeating oh, mass yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, we wanted to correct because that. Gideon, yes. all planeswalkers that animate, at least Gideon's anyhow, have this clause that says damage dealt to them is prevented. Yeah, so you which means when damage. permeating mass would deal the damage to it, it deals no damage, so it doesn't turn Gideon into a permeating mass. Yeah. My bad on that one. What if you cast something that says damage can't be prevented? Then it would. Ooh. So there's something on the sideboard in my deck. Just got to find a good card that does that. I don't think there is one in standard. The Targus Command? That says life gain. No, it prevents life gain. Never mind. Anyways, back to... So... This. Buyouts are going to impact Eternal Formats in a negative way. Eternal Formats are already being impacted negatively by the reserve list in that you they've got such a high price to them because of the nature of the reserve list these cards can't be reprinted they're 20 years old things of that type which made the eternal masters land base kind of underwhelming giving yeah. us the gain lands for a limited right like what the hell so i've been fine with shocks yeah shocks are yeah. okay but they're not eternal they're modern which yeah. is not an eternal format yeah yeah the gain life lands aren't played in Anything. Anything. Yeah. They're just there for limited purposes, so there's mana fixing and limited. Yes. And that's like the most piss poor ones they could have put in. Yes. Anyway. anyway. Yeah. So, Eternal Formats were already hard to get into because the cards are expensive. They're rare. They're hard to find. They're like, if you're playing Eternal properly, and I'm air quoting this because it's a loose term, um, but if you're playing at the highest level... Getting all the edges you can by having, you know, Tropical Island, Bayou, Underground Sea, things of that nature. Right. Your original Alpha, Beta, Unlimited, Revised um, duels. Yeah. You're probably spending, like, two grand on your mana base alone. If you're playing yeah, let's not talk deck. about the Alpha, Underground Sea that I'm looking at right now. Yeah, those things are, like... Okay, on Star good- City, they're 8K. Yeah, I'm looking at an $8,000 non-graded. Here's the thing. Find one anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, somebody could, like, just... Somebody could say it's more than 8K. Yeah. They just named their own price at that point. Yeah, like, Alpha Beta collectors, well, that, they'll pay for it. That's the reason that I, I clarified on Star City, because generally, um, you can find them elsewhere for cheaper than that. Usually, I don't yes. know about, like, Alphas and Betas, but, like, with, like, FBBs... Which is four and black border. You can generally find them cheaper than what they are on Star City. But either way, they're not cheap. Yeah, no, like you're spending two k on a mana, like two thousand US dollars on a mana base, probably. Um, For, that's not counting the rest of your deck. Yeah, and that's if you're playing. That's assuming you're playing like your fetches, your duels, stuff like that. Yeah. So you're already looking at a pretty steep investment. So Eternal Formats have already pseudo price pointed people out because those things are hard to get they're hard to find they're hard to obtain it's hard to trade for them because people who have that stuff generally don't need more cards they're people that are looking for like money usually more often than not yes. yeah so if you're a standard player that just got into the game and you think this format sounds great you're gonna have to shell out the cost of seven eight standard decks on potentially your mana base alone this is why, and some time ago when they were talking about proxies not being allowed yes. in certain events, where it's like, well, Legacy and Vintage is pretty much dead on a local level because nobody's going to have the money. But then, yeah. you know, they found workarounds to it. That's... Yeah. Yeah. So, Eternal Formats are super expensive. 
I believe that they're very fun. Yeah. We have a fairly healthy legacy group in our local area. Um, two of us actually played in a legacy event the night before this. Yeah. Um, I would have. I just haven't built a deck yet. I got tired of trying Oops All Spells. It got it one. Oh, it's had, one good hurrah. We had a couple extra decks on this night. Yeah. But I'd rather play Pokemon Go tonight. But I'll be around for another yeah. event next month. How'd that go with the servers? Oh, much, let's not open that <laughs> Back can to of magic. Worms. <laughs> let's not open that can of worms. All I can say is I've tweeted Niantic Labs about this shit. I want that rapid ash. So anyhow, it's very difficult to get into Eternal formats if your local store doesn't have the stuff, doesn't take trades on their Eternal staples, stuff like that. And to be honest, depending on how big your local store is, it's hard to track that shit down. Yeah, some smaller stores, <coughs> the ones that start out, can't really find stuff for it, and yet, if they do, they're not going to put that much money into the inventory that people are probably not going to buy. Yeah, we're pretty fortunate. Um... Our local store has been around for about three years now. We've had two or three sets of 10 dual lands at least come through our doors because they'd actively go out and pick them up. So it's like, oh, hey, players like Volcanic Islands and Tundras and Bayous, and we're promoting eternal formats, and people enjoy these. So let's make sure that we have the cards for them. Yeah. It's like our store is pretty fortunate on that front. We've had, like, it's had Lion's Eye Diamonds come through. It's had Underground Seas, Trops. Like I said, it's had the duels. It hasn't had any Power 9 come through yet, but... You know, fingers crossed. Yeah, someday, maybe. But, uh, you know, like, it's got Wastelands, Richard on Ports, all the fun stuff, so you can actually build these things. So, as a store and as a player... I think that the reserve list just needs to go. Like, we have some of these cards. We have money invested in them. If they drop value, whatever. I would rather people play the game than have these cards be stupid, egregious amounts that take forever to move anyhow because they're so expensive. Yeah. It's hard for people to want to commit to them. I've always been of the opinion that the reason the reserve list is there... Because players have complained because they have these cards. They don't want to lose their value. Therefore, they don't want to have the intrinsic nature of having a collection. Yeah. I mean, I should have been pissed off when the Marvel comic cards and the G.I. Joe cards and all those movie cards came out when I was a kid. And, you know, my parents were big into that. So they made me this every complete set. So I have two different Marvel sets, a DC comic set, G.I. Joe set, Terminator 2 set, Rocketeer set, for Christ's sake. Like, whatever you can get a hold of. Because they're like... This will be money someday. Leave it in this book. Then when you need money, you can go off and sell it. You know how that, what that whole book is worth now? $20. Who's pissed off about that? Not me, because I still have it. They look cool as shit, yeah. and they're fun to look at and but, be like, hey, when I was a kid, I loved this stuff. See, the point the point of playing a card game is to have fun playing it, not just like, oh, hey, I'm going to you know buy this and hope to make money off of it. Yeah. No, like... I bought a Null Rod back at Star City Opens Columbus, which was probably about two months ago. It was a couple months ago. So, yeah. anyways, I, I bought it year, there from Star City themselves for, like, $4. Now they're pushing $30, and I didn't even know about it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I made money, but I still need the card, so I'm still going to keep it. I wouldn't even care if they went down to, like, a dollar now. Like, just the fact of saying, like, I need this card. I'm going to keep it. Here it is. Like, I don't think that you should be able to say, I'm going to buy all of these moats, for example, triple their price, and be like, oh, by the way, 
Nobody else can play this card that is like either a college student or just graduated from college. So here's the thing about Moat not being accessible for people. There's only like two or three decks that play the thing anyhow. And the decks that do play it only play it as like one, maybe two copies tops with the exception of Dutch stacks. And I'm pretty sure most people don't even know what that deck is anymore. Like it's pretty much non-existent. Um, Dutch stacks is basically mono white stacks. Smokestack is the key card to the deck. You play things like uh, Ancient Tombs, City of Traders, things that get you double mana. You play, uh, what's the Mox Diamond? You discard a land to get an addition. It comes into play, you discard a land, and you get to tap it for mana. If you don't, you sack it. Mm -hmm. Um, So you play those, and you play, like I said, the Soul Lands, and you just jam those down on people. You play Smokestack on, like, turn three, and then you go tick Smokestack up to one, sack a permanent every turn, lock you out of the game. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you just slam down your moat, and then you go, all right, only creatures with flying can attack. And then you go, here's my Elspeth Knight Errant. Here's my 1-1 one, one that I can just keep sacking whatever land I'm playing, whatever card I'm drawing, whatever, to my smokestack every turn. And then you start jumping this 1-1 one, one with Elspeth's other plus 1 ability to give it plus 3, plus 3 and flying. And you beat somebody to death with that 4-4. Four, four. Over the course of, like, 5 turns. Not a fun game. It's a very, very non-fun deck um it pretty much says i'm gonna play magic and you're gonna watch me play magic personally i enjoy that it's a (laughs) it's a prison deck yeah it's a mono white prison deck it's it used to go by the name of dutch stacks um it may be put under like stompy type lists now yeah you know decks that go like all right here's a trinisphere on turn one and then I play all these lands that tap for two mana and all these things that cost more than three. So basically, you can't play the game. Right. Like, these are the types of decks that play Moat. And to play Moat, you basically have to play Elspeth Knight Errant. Um, two other decks play it, sometimes potentially. One of them's Enchantress, because it's an enchantment and their wing con is eventually casting Emrakul. And the other type of deck that plays it is Miracle sometimes will play as a one of <laughs> in the sideboard. Yeah, I'm so sick hearing about the, miracles. So, like, miracles. it's not even a super popular card. Right. Like, it's played in sometimes three decks. More often than not, it's not even played at all. And it's $600 out of stock on Star City. Uh, it's pretty good in EDH. Yeah, I mean, sure, it's great in EDH, but who wants to spend $600 on their EDH deck? So, let's say this guy decides he wants to get other cards that are, like, good in multiple decks and wants to, like... Continue to tax cards that are good on EDH while we're talking about cards that are good on EDH. And I really hope he doesn't listen to this. I really hope he doesn't think this is a good idea. But why not do the Tabernacle at Pendrel Vale? Yeah, let's not do that. It's already like $800. Let's make it a grand. Yeah, no. So for anybody who doesn't know what Tabernacle at Pendrel Vale is, it's already a grand. Oh, Jesus. $1,200. So Tabernacle is $1,200. I haven't looked at the price of a Tabernacle in ages. But it's from Legends, it's a legendary land. And it has this pretty... Like, it's actually useful. Lands plays this. 12 Post plays this. You can slip it into Maverick decks sometimes because your Gaia's Cradle offsets your cost of Tabernacle at Pendrel yeah, Vale. adorable. So, like, and, this is actually a good card. This gets played more than some of the other, like, random buyout cards. Um, 
it has at the beginning of each player's upkeep creatures they control have a cost of pay a generic mana or it is destroyed so the reason that it is destroyed is relevant is because lands will just go okay here's my merit lodge I'm not going to pay for it because it's indestructible so it won't get destroyed by my tabernacle at Pendrel Vale. It's lopsided for them. So it's just a really good card for those types of decks. Because they play crop rotation and they can just go like, crop rotation for my tabernacle. Go ahead. Have fun playing for all your stuff, Delver. By the way, wasteland that. Because they just keep life from the looming back their lands. Yeah. Which is, I'm actually playing this thing in uh, Gitrog Monster EDH. <laughs> so I don't want to buy one. So it's probably gonna be proxied for near ever. Yeah, but it sounds fun though. Get Ro I'm a huge proponent proponent, if I can speak correctly, of having fun with Get Rog's effects because that card just is fun. Yeah. Whether it's good or not, it's still up for debate, but it's fun. But what don't you like about playing eighty lands EDH? <laughs> I mean, how does that not sound fun to you? Oh my gosh. Oh, so, anyhow, Jesus. The point is, the reserve list shut actually up, restricts fun for you, players. <laughs> it helps collectors feel safe, but it really creates this bottleneck on promoting older formats for Magic: The Gathering. Yeah, but see, I don't think that like it's fine if you collect for this game. And by no means am I saying don't collect for this game. But if you're collecting for the sole purpose of making money off of it, yeah, that's really the wrong kind of collecting. Like if you're collecting it like. I've played Magic my whole life, and these are the cool cards I've amassed over time. Yeah. Look how they've changed. That's awesome. Do that. That's fucking sweet. I'm doing that even though I only started at cons, because I'm sure. Because yeah. even now with Eldritch Moon, things are getting insane. So, yeah. mm -hmm. you know. Well, me personally, I've made merit to this since I've been started coming here. Was um, I am building up a collection so that way whenever I need to move out after college, I can sell it then. Yeah. But, like, I am enjoying playing the game while I still have my stuff. See, as a store owner slash judge, and I've probably been playing the game competitively for, like, almost ten years now, I think, like, my collection to me is fluid. As I need cards, I trade my cards. If yeah. I think something is really cool and has sentimental value... See my French time trial that I got as a birthday present. My French foil sensei's top that I got myself. Basically, anything I have that's French has really high sentimental value to me because it's a gift from one of my friends or something I thought was really cool and knew I would keep forever, so I got it for myself. I don't plan on getting value of these things. If they go up in value, whatever. If they go down in value, whatever. They're mine. The yeah. cards I collect are for me. Also... As a store owner, the high price points for some of these cards probably make them useless to have around if they're too high. Like, even if we get a hold of one, we're never shifting it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when was the last time we sold an Underground Sea? I've had one, I've had, I think, three, two or three in the case since a year and a half ago. So it's really not helping anybody. It's not helping people who play. It's not even helping shops to have these fucking I mean, things because of the... Uh, it depends on where I the shops I can't say it doesn't help. We have a very small area, and we do allow proxies. So, like, if we went, you can't have proxies anymore, maybe I'd force the sale. But then if the person doesn't like their deck, it's like, that kind of sucks. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, there are... To say that there's not no proxy legacy events around, there are, but we have more of the casual ones so that you find your way there. And then there are yeah. other ones where we have no proxy events where, you, where it's like, you, you found your deck, you have it built, play it against yes. people. Yep. Yeah. 
Well, the nice thing about, you know, the proxy count going down and so on and so forth is, like, you learn your deck, you win with that deck, so that way when you get the pieces for it, you're like, I earned this by playing this specific thing. Which encourages, like, oh, I'm going to get better playing this, and I know what I'm going to need, because, like, each person plays each deck differently. So there's going to be cards that switch between you, me, and even Tyson. So, like, each thing's going to change. It's like, oh, I'm going to play, like... Oh, I don't know. Maybe, like, a Sylvan Advocate going randomly off topic here. But, like, a Sylvan Advocate and, like, Shard of this Bug. Because, like, I think it might be good. You think it's trash. I think it's good. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, here's the biggest thing that happens with this. Is it allows players to also find decks that they enjoy. Mm -hmm. So, let's say I go, hey, I want to play Oops All Spells. <laughs> I know the way that's done that. Cough um, I play Oops All Spells, and I absolutely hate it because it instantly dies to Force of Will, and everybody in the room is playing four Force of Wills. Yeah. So then it's it was, like, hey, it was a risky move, I will admit. To no be hate. fair, there were only three decks in this room that were playing Force of Will. Either way, <laughs> the <laughs> point stands that it lets you try a deck before you go and actually buy it. So you got to try a deck, and then you're like, well, I don't like it. So next time, you can try a different deck or a different deck. And eventually, you'll find the one that you actually enjoy. Hey, listen. listen I, I, I feel like I have to qualify this. The first time I brought Oops All Spells here, I went 2-1. It wasn't until the next time that everybody was like, this shithead brought Oops All Spells again. Let's hate him. I got away with it once, so don't... <laughs> to be fair, that's what the deck's designed to do. I know! It's like, I, I shouldn't have spiked this tournament but i did and i'm happy about it yeah it was funny but yeah then people got hip to it so now i gotta find an actual deck to play <laughs> i mean try maverick maverick is a fun techie deck that actually gets to do a bunch of cool stuff it is super um, techie so let's go over like some of the legacy decks while we're talking about um since we're talking about the reserve list and it's our hot topic i've played and the cards that are reserved in these decks yeah, I'm going to list some decks that I played over my time and try to think of cards that are not the dual lands that we've already talked about yeah. that are on the reserve list. Well, I don't think I actually have any decks that have lands that aren't duels on the reserve list, if I'm going to be honest. Well, um, I mean, we can start with Oops like, All Spells. Lion's Eye Diamond's on the reserve list. That's in yep. the sideboard for taking out the Oops combo and putting in Charbelcher. Yes. So, so we, yeah, even yep. Oops, which is kind of a cheap deck, is actually affected. Which yeah, it's like anymore. it's like random yeah. cheap deck to get into the format, and lo and behold, you have to spend like eight hundred dollars on LEDs now. So even your cheap budget deck that people think is kind of a joke and is just gonna like scrub through the format, which knocks out the dual lands, which is most of the cost. No, no fetches, no dual lands, just straight to the point of cheap cards that do things. It's still probably about, you know, 900 to to $1,000. Just because of the Spirit Guides and then the LEDs on top of that. The Spirit Guides are, like, the most expensive cards at, like, $12, $15 each. And then you have LED, which is, like, 100 and something yeah. right now. Which is stupid. Well, yeah. LED was 100 some, like, a, it lurked around 100 before it got bought out. Yeah. Now it's, like, 175 or something after it got bought out. 180 so, yeah. Still, not, not something that you want to build getting into the format. Yeah. So... As a Legacy player, I probably play more decks than anybody else. I probably play more decks in Legacy than the two of you combined. Probably. Uh, yeah, probably. I've I... played Lands. Mm -hmm. Stoneblade. He's played Lands. I've played Lands. I haven't played Stoneblade. I've thought about playing Stoneblade. It looks interesting. i played Deathblade. No. No. Punishing Maverick. 
Nope. Yes. Dark Maverick. Yes. Nope. Green White Maverick. Nope. Um, People call it different names, but it's a Bant deck. It's basically Maverick. Yeah, it's like Bant. So, so you've played a lot of Maverick, is what I've played saying. a lot of gr- of Maverick variants. Yeah. Um, I've also played Jund, Punishing Jund, which is different than actual normal yeah, Jund. I tried both of them. Um, I've played Abzan Nickfit. No. Uh, I played. Uh, I played Jund Nickfit. I played Scapewish, which is Jun Nickfit. No, I played like actual Jun Nickfit. I didn't play Scapewish. Oh, you played not Scapewish? Yeah. I'm okay, still yeah. waiting for decks I've played. I've only played like three Legacy decks um, in my life so far. I play TES. Oh wait, I did. Oh, I tried that in Vintage, ones. not in. But it was like a really that bad was, version of it. It was DPS, yeah. I but played, it was still Storm. I've played TES and Ant. I think TES is superior for anybody that wants an opinion on that. Um. I've played Oops All Spells a time or two. Okay, there we go. There's I've me. I've played Dredge. No. I want to try that. I have played Honestly, a deck miracles. of my own design that's four color Nick Fit. Um I played Miracles for a considerable considerable amount of time. Uh, whenever people want to play test miracles, they just hand me whatever list it is. I'll look at it real quick so I'm more familiar with it and I'll play that. Hi, I played Miracles. I'm guilty. Uh, Same for I, I feel guilty for playing Miracles because it's just I hate playing against it now, and I just hate it's so. Ugh. I've played Shardless Bug, I've played Rug Delver, Bug Delver, Grixis Delver, Jeskai Pyro Blade. Um, I'm actually interested in Grixis Delver. That may be the next one I try. I mean, that's what I played tonight. Yeah. Oh, I played uh, Sneak and Show. Ew. <laughs> yeah, played. I've played against Sneak and Show before, and I do remember uh, an Emrakul coming out immediately, and I had a Caracas on the field, so it was kind of funny, where it's like, hey, you didn't cast that, so you don't get your triggers. By the way, Caracas away your Emrakul, now I'm going to win. Put, put it back in your head. Played <laughs> Mono Blue Omnitel. Ooh. Um. <laughs> Jesus. Just the reaction it got out of Gingy just now. I love that. <laughs> just I'm surprised like... you didn't play High Tide. <laughs> Who, me? Yeah, you. It's like the only combo deck I haven't played. That deck's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Goes. Yeah, I mean, I like, can imagine I, it. We fun. have somebody local that used to play the shit out of it. I learned how to play against that deck very well by playing with him. Um, so, like, all of these decks, getting back on track, all these decks have cards on the reserve list. We haven't mentioned Death and Taxes. I've you never played it. I mean, technically, I played Death and Taxes. Well, I played Death and Taxes, so I can throw that out there. Yeah, and okay. I also you can throw re- out Death and Taxes. When I started Legacy, I played Death and Taxes, and it seems like a great idea at the time, but you have to know every other deck in the you format. You have to know a lot of play. decks to play. And that was my first Legacy deck, so that was where I went wrong. Yeah. No, the first Legacy, Legacy deck you should start with is probably something like a Delver variant or like a Stoneblade variant. Stoneblade's probably the most forgiving one, if we're going to be honest. It gives you Stoneforge Mystic, which is a really good wing gun in and of itself. Mm-hmm. gives you True Name Nemesis, which is protection from target player, which, you know, is your opponent. Yeah. And if or it's actually protection from a named player. Uh, it gets around Leyline of Sanctity. And Sigarda. Correct. <laughs> so it gets around your opponent and have a Hexproof. So, like, it, it has a couple cards that are just, like, really big crutches, and really safe cards. You get to play Force of Will, you get to play Stoneforge Mystic, you get to play True Name Nemesis. You've got Jace, you've got Brainstorms, you've got so Counter Spells. This, 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 this deck is like, I'm going to play this True Name, and the only thing I care about you doing is like giving this True Name minus one, minus one, with like Gokari Charm or Toxic Dailers. Other than that, uh, you're pretty much dead. 
that. So, like, the deck is super user-friendly. Um, it's not the easiest thing to play, but it's probably got one of the... Since you have access to Force of Will, um, depending on your variant, you can play Days. You got Spell Pierce and stuff like that. So you have a bunch of soft counters. You have It's relatively forgiving, and it has Brainstorms and Jaces to help fix your hands if you're in a pickle. I've yeah. kind of been curious as to if I could do, like, Force of Will list variants, like, replace them with days and see what happens there. Because there's a lot uh, of, like... no, it doesn't no. work. No. The, the reason the decks play Force of Will... Okay, so let's say the I'm TES and you're some deck that you cut Force of Will for and played days. Yeah. I'm on the play. You're dead. I get probe you, see that you don't have Force of Will, and I just kill you. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the reason I, they have it. Yeah, also, TES does that, though. That's kind of a... <laughs> Uh, days so does isn't as good. Yeah, yeah. So does Belcher. Yeah. Well, I yeah. know because Eupsal Spells and Belcher are in the same deck. But see, that's why Force is so good. Yeah, yeah. that's why Force is like a mandatory card of the format. I mean, it's just something I've been experimenting with the idea of because everybody wants to complain about Force of Will, how you're two for wanting yourself. With, but there's a reason for yeah, that. Yeah, the Force good. is really good. But you're two for wanting yourself to not lose the game that turn. That's true. Here's an interesting thing to talk about now since we have Eternal Masters. And the effects of that on prices of stuff. Forces were 65 before Eternal Masters because everybody's like, oh, I'm it, just going to get the pretty They were about 80, and no, then they liked the 65 after it was spoiled. Yeah. Okay, so after it was spoiled, they want to will drop down to 65, which is where I bought them at. I bought two of them at that. Um, now the Alliance Forces are at, like, 90, and the Eternal Masters one is at over 100. Which, this card just got reprinted. That should have no reason going up. That doesn't make much sense, actually. So I want to double-check that. Really? This is yeah. something that I call the Tarmogoyf effect. Holy shit. The Eternal Masters one's 120. Alliances is 110. Wow. Again, are you... Are, I, I'm trying not to swear right now. <laughs> I'm trying really hard because I almost threw out like three squares in one sentence. I say again... This is what I call the Tarmogoyf effect. Okay. This is what happened when Tarmogoyf was printed in Modern Masters Jeez, 1. Okay. Um, so in Modern Masters 1, Tarmogoyf was reprinted. Oh, Tarmogoyf's price is going to tank. Tarmogoyf's going to go down so low. Tarmogoyf was like $150 or $200. So what happens now is it, creates, okay. it creates this awkward supply-demand scenario where I never had a Force of Will before, but I got Eternal Masters packs, and I opened a Force of Will. Yeah, so now, more. I want three more Force of Wills. Right. So the supply doesn't actually keep up with the demand because it creates more demand. Because people who didn't have forces now want can them. access forces and want to get forces. And once you get a force, you either have to commit at that time that you're not going to keep Force of Will or you're going to get three more. Yeah. Since you get roughly one Force of Will a box... Ouch. I mean, it's to be expected because, you know, mythic rarity. Yeah. Yeah. If you get one Force of Will a box, that means that you have to get four boxes to get a set of Force of Wills. So you know what I really Roughly like? Speaking. You know what I really yeah, like? Yeah, this is approximations. These are not actual statistics. You get a foil force. You're just like, hey, you got a play set of Force of Wills. You want this foil uh, force? Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> Probably. Uh, we we yeah. actually know someone that opened a, what, a foil Future Sight Goyf, or was it a foil Modern Masters Goyf? Modern Masters. And he traded it for three Future Sights. I think he traded it for his whole set, actually. Oh. Well, like, he opened it on day one of Modern Masters, and he walks up to the vendor, he's like, what can I get for this? <laughs> and the vendor goes, I think that's the first one that's been opened. What do you I want for this? I want that. 
Yeah, it's basically. Uh, I want four of these. Sure. Though I, I gotta say it, the only deck I have right now, since I don't have a legacy deck that uses Force of Will, is my EDH deck. So if I open that foil Force of Will, that motherfucker wouldn't go anywhere except in my EDH deck. And before you need to buy a small car. <laughs> so, so here's the other thing. I have a car, and it's far from small. Beyond needing these cards for competitive players, you know, somebody wants four Force of Wills for their uh, legacy deck, their vintage deck, whatever. Now you have to have them for EDH players and commander players, slash commander players, that are like, well, I want one Force of Will. So now we created another market that wants this card that didn't previously. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So, like I said, I call this the Tarmogoyf effect because this was experienced during Modern Masters 1. Uh, Modern Masters 2, it didn't do anything. It kind of just, like, stayed where it was. Yeah. I think Tarmogoyf may have dropped, like, $20 this time yeah. on its third printing. It was also because the card's not that good anymore because of Gurmag Angler and uh, Tassiger. Like, it's still good in Jund. There's uh, but still a fine card. Charlotte's yeah, Bug still plays It's still it. fine, but my point being, it's not as good as it used to be. Yeah, but it's still a really good card. It's yes. still a four of in the decks that want to play it. Yes. And so then like, we finally have the uh, mechanic that was kind of... Because Delirium's kind of like what it was. Uh, it's kind of like a Tarmac yeah. effect, but... Not it, near as good. Yes. And not as easy to pull off either. I feel like... Tarmogoyf's just good. Working Anyways. on Tarmogoyf's easier. So, like I said, uh, the Force of Will has the Tarmogoyf effect. Supply was made, more, de more demand was created than supply was. It's a limited print run thing. You get it once, probably every other year. So if we're going to get another Force of Will reprint, it's going to be like two years out. Yeah. So it's going to start creeping up again as well. Yeah. But it's just higher than it was to start with, so that's kind of a little... Right, that's the Tarmogoyf effect. That's right. the problem that gets created by these super limited print run sets. Yeah. Although it does it does help the commons, uncommons, and some of the rares. The problem is when you put a $80, well, starting at base, $80 Mythic in the set, and people want it, it's just going to go up. Yeah, I mean, Mythics aren't super easy to open. Especially, it, like, it's a premium product. It's a hard-to-acquire product. Uh, I played it at PPTU this Saturday. I was curious as to what their price of Eternal Masters was. It's $18 a pack. Jesus. Jesus. $400 a box. Oh, my God. That's their price on Eternal Masters. <laughs> I'm kind of sad Which we're out. I haven't gotten one yet. Our store was selling them at MSRP. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Like, you could legit almost buy two boxes from our local store where you could get a box and four packs from them. Well, that's also back to the full buyouts thing that we were talking about. Was um, People buy these limited print run sets at cases on end and just sit on them for years. Yeah. Uh, earlier, like, when the Eternal Masters came out, like a week or two after it, I saw some guy... He was selling a set of Masters. It was Eternal Masters, or uh, Modern Masters 1, Modern Masters 2, and a box of Eternal Masters. There's a box of each of them, and I was like, why do you still have those? Like, these are made to draft and have fun. They're not made for you to sit on and make money off of. But the problem is, when you make a limited print run like that, it's got yes. pre-doomed product. It's got in-demand product like that. Yeah. 
It's going to happen. Yeah. Like, that's just the nature of the secondary market. That's why Wizards needs to, like... So I don't, wizard, I don't want Wizards to go Yu-Gi-Oh! on their reprint policy where everything just turns into garbage. But I would like them to print things more often than they do. Yeah. yeah. Like, Tarmogoyf's still like 120 bucks or something like that. Still expensive for people that want to play, you know, Shardless Bug after spending so much money on their mana base. Not even just talking about Shardless Bug. Like, let's go back to modern. A lot of decks in modern play I, Tarmogoyf. I guess that's fair. Yeah. And like, Tarmogoyf is probably the most expensive card on their deck. That's $500 for Tarmogoyfs. Then you've got to spend potentially... Uh, like, here's the really big problem that happens, is part of your cost for Legacy is the same cost for your modern fetches. Scalding Tarns are like 80 bucks. Verdant Catacombs are like 80 bucks. So basically yeah. the enemy fetches. Flats and yeah. Arid Mesas are yeah, like 50 yeah. bucks. Uh, yeah, they need, they need printed again. Like, yeah, they went like, in the right direction when they printed the Onslaught fetches again, yes. but they need to do that. But the thing is, like, they keep doing things like the Tangos. If we got the enemy fetches now before they rotated, mana bases would be insane again and people would complain. Which, no, no, I, I think it's fine for mana bases to be insane for a few months. Yeah. Just a few months. Like, if you have perfect mana for, say, um, like, two months out of the year, or two, yeah. much out of the, two months out of a cycle... That makes you have so many more options for playing standard. It's not just going to be the same stale. So oh, basically, I'm just going to play the same deck over and over. So basically, we should expect to see the enemy fetches in like a year. We shouldn't expect. I don't to think see we'll it, see them, but I would like to see. Yeah. Them. So Wizards ha- has slash had two opportunities to reprint enemy fetches. They missed one in Eternal Masters. I think it would have been a great reprint there. Our only. Uh, Rare Land was Wasteland, which if you listen to our other podcast, I'm super furious about that because Caracas was a white mythic, not a mythic land. So our only rare in the land slot was Wasteland. Yeah. They could have given us fetches at rare. They could have given us fetches at mythic. I'd have taken either. They need a reprint, specifically the enemy ones. I think I know why they didn't do that. And it's probably because if they did the enemy fetches, they would have had to do the allied fetches, which just got printed in cons, so people would bitch because then the value of the cons ones would drop even more, and just the big blah, 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 basically. But we've been talking about this. Like, cardboard is not where you should invest. invest yes, yeah. you've got to remember that the reason why all of these things are put into place, the reserved list, things that happen in sets, like why Control Magic's been so shitty until, like, Eldritch Moon is because players complain, and Wizards listens to that. So that's kind of good, and it's a double-edged sword, basically. It's like, Wizards listens to their players, but unfortunately, not, not all correct, of them. Not like, the correct ones. Well, well they, you can't really say that either. Yeah, you can't say somebody's right or wrong because you have a different opinion. They just, um, they tend to lean towards ones that are more simple players. Probably more They're more players. conservative yeah. about things than they realistically need to be. Yeah. So, they still have their second opportunity to do enemy-colored fetches. What are we getting here? Rel- like, it's a little later in the year, but it's soon. Uh, We've actually got two more opportunities, if I'm going to be realistic, actually. Um, is, uh, Chronicles? Or something? I don't remember. No, I don't know. There's like five things coming out. It's okay. where Chandra's home is. Uh, Kaladesh. No, we're not going to oh, get no, him no. Kaladesh. No, because the soonest we're getting it in a standard set is going to be a year out when the tangos rotate. 
I think it's um, a year, right? Three months for the next. I don't know set what the next from the vault is. To rotate. It's not the next from the vault. That's from the vault lore. Yeah, it's oh fuck. Um, so Eldritch Moon comes out soon, and then for the next six months, we're gonna have more. You could almost the say it's so a, not so maybe nine months because that's when the tangos rotate out. You could almost say it's a conspiracy that they oh, are right. in an Eternal Masters. Right, that's right. We're getting another conspiracy set. How could I forget about that? Take the crown. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, Trot's not 24-7. So there's another conspiracy set coming, which is a pretty good spot to put enemy fetch lands again. Uh, it's not the best, know. but it's somewhere that they can pop them in. I'd be I, okay with it. See, that's So it's just, the one I really want them to throw them into. Admittedly, this makes... This will have good and bad things happen. Is what are the next commander decks we're getting? Aren't, four color. Aren't they four colors? Four color commander decks. So yeah. you could probably throw like two enemy colored fetch lands in each one of those. Yeah, yeah. You I mean, could. you're gonna need some mana fixing for four color mana bases, right? Actually, yeah. Maybe yeah. throw in a shock or two. That like two fetches and like two shocks. I feel like at the point you're doing that, you're just really. I don't think you're it would really be asking for. Some repercussions from yeah, it. customer backlash on that will be ridiculous though. Um, all right, the then, then one fetch in each one. That's there's fine. five commander decks, one fetch in each one. Uh, and it's gonna so, be the allied ones. We already know that. No, <laughs> no, no. make it the enemy ones. Here's the only wizards. Problem. If you're listening and you fucking make it allied, I will murder. I, I won't. Don't do that. say that, please. <laughs> anyway, I will he cast will murder on your creature. There you go. Okay. The only you problem I have with you know saying we put two in and say a shock or two is because. What happened to the Jaleva pre-constructed EDH deck? It was more than the other ones. I was well, like, oh, hey, look, this card, this deck came out a day of a huge tournament. And since, you know, we all pre-ordered them, we all got them on that day, we get to play True Names, and you don't. Okay, so that's... That's immediately a little different. Yeah, that's because completely True Names different. got their first True printing there, didn't yeah. they? That was yeah. the first time True Name had even existed. Yeah, that's These little... cards already exist. I guess that, I don't this know. This isn't specking that this card's going to be super good and busted. Yeah, it's okay, just we fair. already know what this card is capable of. They already exist. Some people already have them. Some people don't. So, you know. I was going more on the fact of this pre-constructed deck is more than it should be because of what's in it. Just I, because, like, admittingly, you're playing EDH to play a multiplayer format. True Name Nemesis is not nearly that good in the multiplayer format. No. Correct. Which people are like, oh, that EDH deck's like $40 more than the rest well, when they came out. out. MS it came out MSRP yeah, like no, 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 not MSRP, but like that's what people were selling them at. Oh, well, again, that goes back to the initial issue of, you know, fucking for profit, for bullshit. Yeah, but whatever. like a casual player's going to walk and be like, oh, why is that so expensive? It's like, oh, it has this one card in it. That's good in this format that you probably don't care about. They're it's like, not oh, even I'm not, the format this I, deck is for. I'm not even going to bother buying it now because I don't want to spend that extra money on it when I'm not going to be good in the format I'm playing. So yeah. there was one other card that came out of those commander sets that also took Legacy, like, really, really hard. Containment Priest? No, that was the next commander set, I believe. Was it? Yep. Yeah, you're right. Toxic and, Deluge. Was that that, that one? That came in the Aloro deck. Oh. <laughs> Oh. Oh. <laughs> that card's pretty good, too. God damn. Yeah. So that didn't have nearly the same effect. So we can have no, insane did. stuff in the EDH. No, yes, yeah, so we can hope for it. It actually countered the true name Nemesis. Yeah. Which I guess, I guess that's fair. Like, that could have been 
planned, you could say. They're like, oh, hey, this thing's going to be good in the or good in Legacy. So, I don't think they plan that far, if we're going to be honest. Yeah, I don't think they really regard Legacy very much, if at all. I mean, half of our time spent on this is making fun of R&D for doing mistakes like that. I'm yeah. not going to say that they planned that Fair. intentionally. That's like saying they printed Golgari Charm because of True Name Nemesis being strong. <laughs> That's not why that happened. No. no. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, where are we going with it now? I, I think we got a little confused somewhere in there, but it's just... We well, we've been talking about really high prices, so we yeah. went off on the Zendikar Fetches oh, after yeah. the Tarmogoyf effect on Force of Will. Speaking yeah. of high prices, um, me playing Elves in Legacy or proxying it right now, slowly getting the pieces for it, Guys, cradles are what, like three hundred? I don't think they're quite that high. Well, I can I can check that. I, th I think they're about two two fifty maybe. But anyways, the deck is really cheap otherwise than from the cradles because like you don't even two? need to play bayous. Uh, two twenty sold out. Yeah, but like you don't need yeah, to play like the bayous. You don't really need to play the fetches, but they're fine. Like there's a chop or two in some lists for Edric, uh, Spymaster, Trest, but like. Cradles are necessary for this deck, and you can play three. Like you can, play four. you can get away with three, but you really want four of them. I Admittingly, like you're playing elves to play a cheap deck, and Cradles sitting at what two twenty. But I think that's also because of EDH, because mono green Azusa is like a really accessible deck. And yeah, Gaius but Cradles really good in that, so EDH has probably helped inflate that price a bit. Azusa is not the reason that Cradles so much. Cradles expensive because of elves, like any elves decks, like Azuri, uh, Edric, Spymaster, Trust, EDH. Azusa doesn't really like a Gaius Cradle because it does it plays huge creatures. It doesn't play a bunch of elves. Like Gaius Cradle is really good when you can. Elf ball the board and be like, oh, by the way, I make 20 mana. And then I bounce it and I make 20 mana. I have a question. Does uh is there uh is there a shaman of the pack in that deck? I'm going to slap is you that, so is hard. Is Shaman of the Pack in that deck? What? Is Shaman of the Pack in that what, deck? What my my deck? In elves. Is it in Legacy Elves? It is now. It is now, okay. I was gonna say they dropped that shit in Eternal Masters after just printing it. I was just curious. I um, hated that card well, standard for let's like just six say, minutes when Elvish Mystic was into it. I, I played and then it, it just died. I was so happy. I played, Fuck elves. Well, calm down. <laughs> I played in a legacy Cut event. Cut down the swears a lot. There's still going to be a few. <laughs> I played in a legacy event, and every time I would natural order a Green Sun Zenith, I'm like, I wish I had a Shaman in the back. Yeah. Because I saw one in list. I'm like, okay, that's cute, but like, I don't really need it. And then I'm like, oh, I, I really want this. Yeah, I'm there sad. Were, there was nothing in the multicolor uncommons, which was all of the Origins uncommons that even touched that. Even Reclusive Artificier, which was close, but it didn't go to the face. Just a, just a creature. Anyway, anyway I, mean, I was trying to find something to match that. I mean, Oath got Revenge. We got Reflector Mage and Storm Chaser Mage. <laughs> yeah! Yeah, we did. Fucking Mage isn't that good against the Shaman Pack. Uh, eh. Against the Shaman Pack? No. <laughs> but against everything else in Standard? Yup. Right. Uh, Wait, where's Elves in Standard right now? Can oh, you, can, uh, oh, it's not a deck. Oh, that's right, yeah. Sorry, Shaman the Pack. and it went away. I still want to go back and play Abzan Jeskai with Reflector Mage and Siege Rhino. Oh. Jesus, so you're the four color, like, just good stuff decks that were yeah, flying around. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Uh, Anywho, is there any expensive cards that you're salty about, Tim? Uh, me? Um, all of them, honestly. Well, it's not really... Well, so, expensive, not necessarily expensive, but reserved cards. Reserved cards? All um, of them. All of them. I am personally of the opinion that the reserve list shouldn't exist, 
and because uh, there's no really there's no real specific card for me as I'm I'm equally angry that that list exists for like I said earlier the sole purpose of making it so there is no risk to collecting those early magic cards like once you have them they will hold their value for as long as that reserve list holds which is not how collections work collections work in such a way that it's like okay this card is valuable I'll hang on to this card and then once I see it start to drop I'll get rid of it if that's why you're doing it that's how collections work that's how investing works that's how the stock market works if there was any sort of thing that said hey this stock's going to keep its value, that's insider trading, and that's kind of illegal. So we kind of got an economy going on here that if it were under any actual regulation, it would be fucked. But it's not, it's just cardboard, so it's not, you know, it's not as large as that, so it's not actually some sort of federal investigation type thing, but it's just mirroring that, and it's very strange to me that, you know, anybody who's passionate about magic would say, oh yeah, the reserve list is a great idea. So here's the really funny to me thing about the reserve list is people are already getting price pointed out of legacy, vintage, eternal formats, things like that. So since they're already getting price pointed out, much like uh, you mentioned real world economies, yeah. there's this there was the housing bubble, right? Yeah. And it inflated and inflated and inflated and inflated and inflated and it popped. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen to legacy cards? Because eventually it's going to be like, oh, well, my legacy deck's worth ten grand for no readily evident reason. Nobody's playing, like, nobody else can get into the format. I'm going to sell my legacy deck. Yeah. So then you're going to have all these people that are just like, I need a new car. Good thing the reserve list exists. And they're just going to end up flooding the market with all these cards that are worth such an egregious amount of money. Then we're going to be because back they to square can't one where everything's worth like a dollar. <laughs> And then it's going to be like, well, nobody wants to play this format anymore because everything's so expensive. Yeah. So then... The value of everything drops because nobody's buying because nobody wants to play it. Exactly. Yeah. So so it's it's possible that we have a market in, like, it'll probably take five, six years realistically for this I, to I happen. Wanna, I want to stop for a second. I was just, this just in, by the way. <laughs> Gingy, uh, Gingy here has write, written down a pun. And I'm going to make it, make him read it in front of the class, as would say. Now, hold on. I'm going to go back a tick before we started getting to the, the housing market and things and go back to my stock market, uh, stock market allegory. And go ahead, Gingy. You could say there is a card stock. Let's golf clap. Golf clap for him, Tyson. Golf clap. Yeah, it's not even actually very funny. But anyway. Anyway, so <laughs> since we all can agree that there isn't a reason for the reserve list to still be here. Is there any solutions to this? <laughs> so, a friend of mine, and I'm going to keep them anonymous for the sake of not having anybody direct anything towards them and complain about them, etc. He also... Actually, I'm not even going to say anything more than that, because just saying that a friend of mine had done this is probably enough that people will know who it was. He had actually come up with what I believe is a pretty good way to abolish the reserve list. Basically, Wizards goes... We're going to abolish the reserve list starting next year. Yep, you have this much time to dump your cards at the value you're at. Nope, no, 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 here we go. No? The, 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 it's, it's got more than that. Okay. Next okay. year, we're going to start to abolish the reserve list. Cards that were put on the reserve list in this year, being the most recent year since they've had the most recent printing, will be the first to go off this list. Next year, we go a year before that. 
and remove those cards off the reserve list. Right. So we can start printing those again. And then as we progress forward in time, we move back in time on the reserve list. Right. So it will take, uh, I believe the math was like seven or eight years if you start when the first cards were put, when the most recent cards were put on the reserve list, the year that they were printed. It takes approximately seven years doing this to completely abolish the reserve list and reprint cards that were created during Alpha. So they can reprint the Power 9. They can reprint the duels. You have, like, if this happens, you have seven years to move that stuff. Well, here's the problem, though. And with how finicky the market is, the prices will drop immediately. Yeah. There won't be a stagger. So it's no. going to be a scramble to get well, rid of these everything's going to drop well, and that then it's going to keep going. It's going to drop and then it's going to go back up. That yeah. is the problem with things like that. That's people having a knee-jerk reaction to things. Yeah. So let's say that they announced that uh, enemy-colored fetches are going to be in the new commander decks. We don't know this for sure. This is speculation. This is an example for a scenario. I have no information on if this is happening or anything like that. But we're using it for the example. Wizards goes, there's going to be enemy-colored fetch lands in the next commander sets. People will immediately start offloading them because they know that they can get them for you know thirty five dollars MSRP in a commander set. So instantly, all fetches become worth thirty five dollars. Considering you also get all of the other good stuff in the commander sets and so, the first four color legendary creatures. So that's not a wizard's problem. Wizards is saying in four months this is going to happen. Yeah. This is a card that's allowed to be reprinted. This is a secondary market problem. Yeah. Right. So if they go, in seven years, these cards that were printed, 20 Magic's 22? Something like that. Started in 93. Magic is 23 years old. Yeah. If Wizards goes, in 70 years for the 30th anniversary of Magic the Gathering, the reserve list will be completely abolished. That's a you problem. That's not a wizard's problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That They've given you seven years notice. But again, If like, you want to sell yours as soon as they make that announcement, say they make that announcement tomorrow, and you go, well, my cards from 23 years ago are going to be useless, are going to be worthless in seven years, and you tank the market yourself, that's not their fault. That's you overreacting. See, yeah. the thing is, though, like, we say knee-jerk reactions are what's going to happen. This whole thing is based around knee-jerk reactions. The knee-jerk reactions of... Wait, they printed these cards again? Because, like, they went through three printings of the duels and the powers and all that, right? The Alpha, Beta, alpha, and the Unlimited. Alpha, Beta, Unlimited, and Revised. So they had four, four. Pr four printings of each. So there was a very good guarantee that that was where the knee-jerk reaction began and just continued along. So that's what this whole big thing is. Just one big knee-jerk reaction. And we have the title for this podcast. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Wow. I don't know. I'm... Okay. I was Third. thinking High Market because it's also the name of a land. Wow. And it's a magic card. Well, yeah. We might have to discuss High Market then so we can put that in there and trick it's people. It's not that good. No? Okay. No. Then it's it's pretty worth, bad. Not even worth noting. No, okay. It's really. it, it was in the FTV uh, realms, though. Okay. Boom, baby. I'm just <laughs> so hard. If you want to name mistakes from FTVs, FTV Annihilation is a big mistake. Yeah, but nobody cares hey, about where's that. Where's that damnation we've yeah, all been wanting? I saw that coming. Yeah, I mean, we could use a damnation reprint too, Watsy. Love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Peace. <laughs> but on that note, I think we just walk away and side off, boys. That's, that's not Drop the mic. Work.
<laughs> no, please don't drop that mic. That mic's expensive. Oh, um, <laughs> there was something that was going to go you, off. You, you said that that's not where this ends, so we're... Well, we, we, can't, we can't just drop the mic and walk away. We actually have to give him the email and shit, you know, do a proper sign-off, because that's how... <sighs> this isn't like a show. We can't just be like, peace, and walk away. Because they don't oh. see that. They can't probably can't even hear the footsteps. I remember... Uh, that mic's pretty sensitive. I remember the yeah. thing that I was going to say. Oh, okay. So, right. so we're carrying some, on then. Some of our friends that, you know, have their Power 9 and have the duels, they... Whom we like to call jerks. No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean... We love those people. Yeah. They're great but the people. point The point being, they play their cards. Yeah. You ask them what they think about the reserve list. So it's like, it shouldn't exist. Yeah. Why shouldn't it exist? Well, because I want more people to play this format. Mm -hmm. Like, I went to a 10 proxied vintage tournament with this guy... And there was only 50 people there. And keep in mind, this was one of the biggest tournaments of the year. There was only 50 people there that can afford to play a 10 proxy vintage tournament. Mm -hmm. So, like, vintage people think is the most unfun format in turn one, blah, 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 blah. No, it is literally one of the most formats I've ever played in my life. Like, you can literally play pretty much anything because of, like... Because of what the format allows. So, like, you can play... Yeah, the, what? The format has a very small ban list, and I believe every card on the ban list involves the word anti. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And, if I remember correctly, Chaos Orb. Yes, I'm pretty sure. I, I think they're the only cards that are banned. Anything but there's the word restricted anti stuff. and Chaos Orb. There's restricted stuff, which is different, because you yeah. can still play them. One copy. Yep. Yeah. Which is enough. It with, is enough with most of these cards. Yes. Yeah, I um, mean, imagine how fun that format would be if you could play four Black Lotus. <laughs> yeah, no, let's not do that. Or 20. But 20 Black Lotus, 20 Channel, 20 Fireball. Oh. Uh, <laughs> got him. That you was, just play... You that play was, 60 that was, Chancellor of the Draws. What? 60 Chancellors of the Draws. You reveal them from your hand... And target. each one deals three damage. Yes. <laughs> and you just I, kill I, I believe it costs, it causes the loss of three life, but you'll yes. never beat the Leyline deck because they'll just go yeah. like, Leyline of Sanctity, ha! Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you can do that, and people do do that in Popper sometimes. Not no, the they point. don't. No, no, it's not Popper. It's, um, people were doing that in, like, Tribal or something. I don't remember what it was. No, the, it there was, was a made-up format that somebody had told me about where some guy made yeah. a 60 chance with the Dross deck. The only way you could play a card in the deck is if it was Foil. Chancellor of the Dross came in one of the intro pack decks at that time. <laughs> yeah, so, so you just played 60 of them, and it's like, oh, by the way, uh, you take 21. Or you yeah, your opening hand was always 7 Chancellor of the Dross. So it's like, 21 you, 21 you, 21 you. It's adorable, but not the point. Jesus Christ. But, like, you ask the people that play these formats, and you're like, they're like, yes, we, we have value in this, but we want more people to play it. You ask people that collect those cards, they're like, no, we want it to stay. Because we don't care about the people that play. Like, this is our investment. Disclaimer, people that play these formats is vintage players, not the 60 chance of the Dross deck yeah, players. They're either yeah. vintage players, most, or most legacy players will say the same thing. Yeah. yeah, like, I, as somebody that has played legacy since, uh, again, I've been playing competitively for roughly 10 years. I started playing again in, like, 2007, 2008. That's when I really started getting my feet wet in competitive play. I remember buying my Tundra's Scrublands and Underground Seas for like 20 and 30 maybe $40 each tops. My Force of Wills were like $25 back then. 
And like back then, I thought that was expensive for a card. <laughs> I was working a kitchen job making minimum wage. So like $20 was a big investment to me, to me back then. If I could go back 10 years and punch myself in the head for being a moron and thinking that's expensive, knowing what I know now, I'd have like sets on sets of power because wizards can't reprint them. Yeah. What are they going to do? They can't touch me if I own it. Yeah, it's just one of those things where you need to watch. People need to be more concerned about the health of the format than the health of the value of their collection. It, because the thing is, it really is damaging whenever they're just looking out for the collections and not actually the use of the cards. Like The thing is, people that want to invest in stuff, yeah, it's fine to invest in small-scale stuff. Like, that Noel Rod I was talking about earlier. Like, yes, that's a $26 profit for me. I'm not... I didn't buy it for the profit. I actually bought it because somebody left it at their house and I needed it to play in that tournament. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to buy this and not worry about it. Here's the thing. You didn't buy it to make money. Yeah, I didn't you buy didn't it specifically buy it. to make money. You also didn't buy it to buy them all out and yeah. inflate the price with a non-realistic inflation. Like... These cards that have inflated values shouldn't have them. There's no reason these cards should be that much. There, there's also just people that don't understand what an investment means. Like people who think that buying video games, for example, is an investment. Buying like an Xbox 360 is an investment. It's not because they lose value over time due to use and due to, you know, availability. Yeah. See, that's the way things should work. You should have a thing. It should have its value. And then the value goes over time because some either something comes out that's better or there's more of that thing that comes out. Yeah. And the, these limited numbers are the whole main issue here and the people don't really understand what they're doing. I, I had a train there and it derailed somewhere. <laughs> what was I talking about? I don't know, but if you invest, invest in anything... In investment. Invest in precious metals. <laughs> <laughs> or property. Sure. Did you what just say precious I did, metals? I did. Because it can be silver, it can be gold. <laughs> My precious. God damn it! Now I'm glad I'm an idiot because I was just going off on a tangent and Gigi tied it off just fine. <laughs> Invest in precious metals. God damn it! Stop, Mike. <laughs> no, no, come back. You gotta sign off. You gotta say goodbye. I think we're done after that. Jesus. Yeah. Is, are the servers up on Pokemon Go yet? I'm not, I'm not that, that's why we're leaving. I'm not asking honestly. I'm just joking. But anyway, uh, thank you for listening to the shambles of a podcast. Um, oh yeah, I'm gonna start what, doing. We, we doing EDH next week. For, we're talking about EDH next week. Are we? Sure. Oh God, Pokemon Go is up. We've lost Tyson. Anyway, I'll, I'll talk about the term for Negasar kills that Tim made me do. I, I because Tim seen wants to make me be the anti-fun. I'm just I'm just gonna start prefacing every podcast with sorry for last week's podcast from now on. Um, not <laughs> that, bad. Probably not bad. Anyway, that this has been Memory Lapse, the Magic Gathering podcast. Thank you for listening. You can actually send us your questions and any information that we got wrong. You can uh, correct us at memorylapsepodcast at gmail dot com. And uh, that's goodbye from Tim. Gingy. Bye. I forgot one more thing. I want to talk briefly. Uh, the blue-green ramp deck that I was talking about last time that I've been telling everybody that I've been you know, brewing and playing with, Yeah. it's not in its final version yet, and I've already top-aided two PPTQs with the thing. Oh, Jesus. So, like, that's Tyson, Hale Emrakul, and her tentacly goodness. Oh, 
the banned spirits all the way. I'm telling you right now, banned spirits. But anyway, uh, yeah. Bye. 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 I hate you all. Every single one of you. God damn it. Glad we fired that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting that at the end, by the way.